This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Let's look at verse 27 of Acts 14. It says, On arriving there, back to their home church in Antioch, in Syria, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he, that is God, had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Can you imagine that incredible church meeting? It's the first missionary report, and everyone is excited. Paul and Barnabas have been gone for two long years. They have covered um, at least 1,500 miles, and they're finally back. Having visited six major cities, they come back, and they don't talk about themselves. They talk about what God had done through them and how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul and Barnabas and how they gave glory to you and how you glorified your name in the way you opened up a door to the Gentiles through this first missionary journey. Thank you for officially making it possible for churches to be planted in the Western world so that we have the gospel here in Chico, California. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We are looking now, first of all, at these points, how God opens a door of faith. An open door starts with ascending church. It continues with a traveling team. An open door will encounter spiritual warfare. I guarantee it. Spiritual warfare is part of pursuing God's kingdom. And when you are on enemy's territory, seeing the lost come to Christ, moving from darkness to light, the enemy's not going to sit idly by. He's going to give you flack and pushback. Now, an open door includes an invitation to share. An, in, an open door results in, get this, either in revivals and riots, and most cases, in both. When God opens a door, there is great revival, but then there's great resistance and persecution by those who refuse to come to the Lord. And an open door strengthens new believers. Let's look at these points one at a time. The first one, an open door starts with ascending church. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, it says in Acts 13, the first part of the first verse. And we know that what has happened now is that whereas Jerusalem was the center of the early church and Peter was the prominent apostle mentioned in the first chapters of Acts, 
Now the ministry base, the ministry center, has moved to Antioch in Syria. And the main person who will be leading is Saul, whose name becomes Paul. His name was probably Saul Paulus. He had a Hebrew name, Saul, and a Roman name, Paulus, in Latin. So he decided, since he was reaching the Gentiles, to use his Latin name, Paul, which means little. Hi, my name is Paul. I'm little, but powerful. And so, the church in Antioch was a healthy church. It had all these uh, incredible leaders. And the Holy Spirit, while they were worshiping, said, Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them to do. And they prayed, they fasted, they laid hands on them, and they committed them to the work of the Lord. Now notice, it says in Acts 14.26 something very interesting that I did a great study on. 14.26 from Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Did you get that? That as they thought about it, having finished the first missionary journey, they remembered that it was the sending church that laid hands on them. It was the sending church that prayed for them. It was the sending church that provided supplies for them. It was the sending church that did what? It committed them to the grace of God for the work. Let's not skip over this phrase. When we serve the Lord, it's not in our energy, it's not in our strength, and it's not to our glory. When we serve the Lord, it's completely the grace of God. The grace gifts of God, he's given us spiritual gifts to use to build up the church. And when the grace of God is working, it exerts an energy and a power and a determination and a, a, a love to do the work of God God's way. So that's important that when they laid hands on Saul and Barnabas and set them apart for the work of missions to reach the Gentiles for Christ, the Messiah, they said, Lord, we commit them to your grace. May your grace work powerfully and constantly in their lives to accomplish what you want to do. That's the key. Let's not skip over that. Next, an open door continues with a team, not only ascending church, but notice a team is mentioned in Acts 13, verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So you have now Saul, and you have Barnabas, and you have John Mark. John Mark was just a young thing. Now, we remember John Mark because he's mentioned in Acts chapter 12 that when Peter was miraculously delivered from uh, uh, prison, having been awakened by an angel and following that angel out into the uh, night air who walked with him for a block, he came to his senses and he said, you know, I'm going to go to Mary's house. And so Mary's house was a large house where the disciples met. And Mary was the mother of John Mark. And John Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. So you can see the connections here. And John Mark, the young man, was to be their assistant, their valet, their, their uh, uh, person who carries uh, the equipment and things like that and helps with the food and everything, that, the logistics. 
in Acts 13, 13, it says, John left them to return to Jerusalem. So he was part of the team for a while, and then he went AWOL. AWOL is a military term for absent without official leave. As far as Paul was concerned, John Mark deserted them. And he said, that guy's not fit for gospel ministry. And he never wanted to work with him again. And later he would have Timothy work with him. But towards the end of Paul's life, he said, you know what? I've changed my mind. That John Mark is something else. And God has used him. I want him to come visit me. Please send him to me. You see, John Mark was like a light that flickered, but it never went out. He might have had a moment of failure, and we don't know why. Was it because he was cowardly and there were great dangers? Was it because he was homesick and wanted to run home to mommy? Was it because Saul took over as the leader of the missions team, and he and Saul, now Paul, didn't get along? We don't know the reason why John Mark went home, but we do know that John Mark partnered up with the Apostle Peter, and John Mark wrote the gospel according to Mark. Isn't that great? What does that teach us? It teaches us that God doesn't give up on us. He gives us a second, a third, and a fourth chance. And we should not give up on people. Don't say, that person's a failure, they'll never amount to much. Um, God can never use that person. God is a God of grace. God is a God of goodness. God is a God who's a redeemer. And he uses our lives as we surrender to him. You may feel you've blown it. Recommit your life to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord afresh. And he's not done with you yet. Vance Hafner said, God is the God of the what's left. I like that. God is the God of the what's left. So no matter what time you have left, God's still your God. And he still has a purpose and a reason for your life. Next, an open door encounters spiritual warfare. Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas now, are in the island of Cyprus. And they are there in Paphos. And they are witnessing to uh, Sergius Paulus. And Sergius Paulus uh, is a proconsul. That means he's in charge of the island of Cyprus for the Roman government. He's an important official. And it says he's an intelligent man. It, it means that he was an understanding man. He was an open-minded man. And for those of you who are engineers, be blessed. Because Ser Sergius Paulus was an analytical man. You know, I love engineers. Engineers have been taught to think. Engineers have been taught to problem solve. Engineers have been taught to create or repair systems. And there's almost nothing an engineer can't do without God's help. Well, Sergius Paulus had that engineer mindset. He wanted to know, what is this thing? I want to hear it for myself. But you know what? Elimas, also known as Bar-Jesus, was a sorcerer and a Jewish false prophet who was an advisor to Sergius Paulus, and he was running interference. Anytime Paul and Barnabas wanted to talk to Sergius about the Lord, 
Guess what? Elimas, and his name means sorcerer, it means wise man, it means magi. Elimas means magi. You know, like the wise men who visited Jesus, only he was not wise for the good side, he was wise for the bad side. So in some way, he was distracting Sergius Paulus from concentrating on what Paul and Barnabas were saying. Some way he was trying to debunk and undermine the message that Paul and Barnabas wanted to get across, the message of salvation, of forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul had enough of it. And it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, he uh, told Elimas that his heart was filled with the devil. And Elimas was struck blind. And at that, Sergius Paulus believed. He's like, wow, here's a message attested by power. I want to believe in this Jesus because he has power and authority. And amen, amen, he does. And he gave it to Paul to attest to the validity of the gospel message. Now, at this point, I hope you're seeing a parallel. There's a parallel between Paul and Peter. Did Peter confront a sorcerer? The answer is yes. In Acts chapter 8, he confronted Simon the sorcerer. Simon wanted to pay him money for the power to be able to lay hands on people so they would receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, your heart is full of evil and bitterness. Get out of here. What is happening? That just as Peter was affirmed as having spiritual authority and power in the Lord to reach the Jews and some Gentiles for Christ, Paul is now being affirmed as having authority and power to reach Jews and Gentiles for Christ. And so there's a parallel. We're going to see how Paul heals, is used by the Lord to heal a lame man who was lame since birth and never walked. Does that sound familiar? Peter did that, didn't he? So Dr. Luke, in writing this thesis for Theophilus, is saying the same authority that Peter had is the same authority that God gave to Paul. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And I say to you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's called the Great Commission. And we praise God that when we're about the Great Commission, yes, we will experience spiritual warfare, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. An open door includes an invitation to share. We read about this in Acts 13, 15. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to Paul and Barnabas, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. So here, Paul and Barnabas went first to the synagogue. Why did they go to the synagogue if they're supposed to be reaching Gentiles for Christ? The answer, number one, is because Paul and Barnabas have a heart for their countrymen. Paul says in Romans chapter 11, I would give up my salvation if 
my fellow countrymen, the Jews, would receive Messiah Jesus. That's how burdened he was for his people. So that's why he started in the synagogue. But number two, the synagogue was where God-fearers were. God-fearers were Gentiles who were interested in spiritual things, and they were going through training to practice Judaism in search of the true God. And so that's where the fish are. And third, after Paul and Barnabas would present the gospel in a synagogue, for those who rejected the gospel, they now have no excuse. Those are the three reasons why Paul and Barnabas would go first to the synagogue. And you remember Paul saying this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. Do you hear the priority there? The priority was we first have to go to the Jewish people and say, this is your Messiah. Would you like to accept him? And if they reject him, they move on to the Gentiles. But salvation is through faith in Jesus. And the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe in Jesus. Open door results in riots and revivals. Let's look at a number of these very quickly. Acts 13, 44 to 45. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. So Paul delivered the most incredible message, tracing from the Old Testament the faithfulness of God, tracing that the people of God have not always listened to him and have been rebellious, tracing that God raised up Jesus, the Messiah, who was um, preceded by John the Baptist, and that he ended with a warning from Habakkuk 1.5 saying, God is doing a new thing. Do not reject it. The new thing is God is saving you Jewish people, through Jesus the Messiah, but he's also saving Gentiles. It's a new thing that you wouldn't believe it even if you were told it. What? We're not just the chosen people anymore, but anyone who chooses Jesus is the, are part of the chosen people? The answer is, that's right. That's right. So, on the next Sabbath, the Gentiles, God-fearers, got almost a whole city to come to the synagogue. It was packed, filled And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Can you see this? Revival's happening. The synagogue is full. Riot is about to happen because the jealous people are beginning to contradict and heap abuse. Here in Acts 13, 49-52, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So here the word is spreading and people are working the higher-ups, the uh, stakeholders and the power brokers to kick them out of town. And we see in Acts 14, 1 and 2, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. You know why. They went there first. And they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Here you have it again. Revival 
and riot. And then in Acts 14, 4-7, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Let me just stop there for a second. Do you know of any division that's going on right now? That would be an understatement. There's a division in our country over who is the president. What are the results of the election? There's a division in our country about how blacks are being treated. There's a division in our country over wearing masks or not wearing masks. We are a divided country. And here was a city that was split down the middle. Some sided with the Jews. We need to get rid of Paul and Barnabas and their like. And others sided with Paul and Barnabas. These people are talking about good news, forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ, and we side with them. Have you ever been pushed to take a side? You know, a friend of yours, a couple that you know and have known for years, they're going through a divorce. And they say, this is my side of the story. Would you take my side and stand with me? And you take their side and and you can feel the tension. Maybe you've been in a church split. Someone said a church split is like a hundred divorces at once, where the tension is so great and the split and divide is felt deep in your heart. Well, that's the divide that was happening in this city. And you know, unless that division is addressed, unless that division is healed or resolved, the next step is violence. Look at what it says here. There was a plot afoot among other Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat Paul and Barnabas, to stone Paul and Barnabas. You can tell the Jews are behind this because instead of crucifixion, it's let's stone them. Who would do stoning? The Jews had that as their um, way of execution. But Paul and Barnabas found out about it and they fled. They continued to preach the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas, their eyes and their focus was on spreading the good news. Their focus was not on the opposition. Keep on keeping on doing the right thing. Keep on preaching the good news of forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. No matter what happens, stick to the stuff. Stick to what matters. The gospel. It's the word of life. So in Lystra, it says in Acts 14, 8 to 10, there was a man who was lame, and he had been that way from birth, and he'd never walked. So if anything happens to this guy and he's healed, you know it's a bona fide miracle. It's not like straightening out one leg so it's longer, so it's equal in length to the other leg. This is a real miracle. And uh, he listened to Paul as Paul was speaking about the gospel, and he and Paul looked at him, seeing that he had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and he began to walk. Remember when Peter healed the lame man, he was walking and leaping and praising God. Same here. And Dr. Luke, he's a physician. When he writes this in the Greek, it's the ankle bones socketed together. Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine the atrophy that must have been in that man's muscles to not have walked ever? Can you imagine how his joints were just loose as jello? 
There's no way he had the firmness and the strength to stand, never mind walk. But instantaneously, in the name of Jesus Christ, this man was healed. Praise be to God. And the people there thought, wow, he must be um, a god. And we're going to call him, they just burst in their Lyconian language, they said, we're going to call Barnabas Jupiter, and we're going to call Paul um, uh, Mercury. Those are the Latin names for the Greek names Zeus and Hermes. So Jupiter slash Zeus would be the head of the gods, and Mercury slash Hermes would be the messenger of the gods. And since Paul was the talker, they said he was the messenger of the gods, and Barnabas must be the head of the gods. Now here's something very interesting. There was an inscription 2,000 years before Paul and Barnabas went to Lystra, where it said the gods had visited that area. So they were in the habit of worshiping Jupiter slash Zeus. And they even had a priest there dedicated to worshiping Zeus. So when he healed, when Paul healed this lame man from birth, they got the priest from Zeus to come to do a sacrifice for these two to honor them. There's something else that's interesting. Fifty years before Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra and healed this lame man, uh, Ovid, the Greek uh, historian, had written that Zeus and Hermes had visited Lystra in disguise. And nobody paid attention to them except one couple. So in punishment, they flooded the place killing everybody, and they made the one couple that honored them a priest and a, priest, a priest, priestess and made their house into a temple. Well, that story was still going around in their heads. So when Paul heals this lame man, no wonder they pull out all the stops and they really want to honor him because they don't want any trouble from the gods. But Paul says, wait a second, I'm just like you. I'm, you know, we're just human beings. Don't worship us. Turn from worthless idols to the living God. That's where it's at. Turn from these fake mythological personages and turn to him who is real, he who is solid, he who is true, Jesus Christ. That's what he was saying to do. And uh, lo and behold, now this is very sad, the Jews who had tried to push Paul and Barnabas out of Iconium and before that um, um, Antioch of Pisidia came and won the crowd over. So they changed their mind about Paul and Barnabas. So at one time, The crowd was ready to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods, and now they see them as devils. Do you know of any situation where there's counter-campaigning going on? I'm just saying, do you? Where someone who might be, you know, on the good side is being made to be the black hat, an evil person? Well, that's exactly what was happening here. And the crowd was won over, and they took stones again, the sign of the Jewish people being behind it because that was their form of execution. And they stoned Paul. 
I mean, they took a big rock and dropped it on his head and they threw a bunch of rocks and here his body is limp and lifeless and they dragged him outside the city and left him for dead. Now, the scholars divide on this point. Some scholars believe he really did die. And this is where he refers in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, humbly saying, I know a man who went to the third heaven. This may have been the out-of-body experience that Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians 12 because the disciples gathered around him, and it doesn't say explicitly, but they probably prayed, Lord, please restore Paul to life. Others think that they, he, they supposed he was dead, but he wasn't quite dead. He was unconscious. But let me tell you something. If you've ever been stoned, and I don't mean with drugs that you have a drug high. I mean, if you've ever had rocks thrown at you, you don't just get up. But in this case, Saul, Paul was miraculously healed by God. Because not only did he get up, but he marched back into town where he had been stoned. That takes guts. That guy had true grit. He had courage. He went back and said, I must be about sharing the gospel. And guess what? People think that at this time was when three key people trusted in Christ because of this experience. Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. This may be the time, because Lystra was their hometown. This may be the time where Timothy came to know the Lord, who would be a future team missionary worker with Paul. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.